appreciate all the singing this morning. It's good to see each one here. And uh, we'll go ahead and get into the message this morning. If you wanna, uh, we'll be reading out of Luke chapter 23. And we'll begin in verse 33 and read the rest of chapter 23. And then the first six verses of chapter 24. So what we're reading here in Luke 23 is, of course, talking about uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And you know when there's been a murder and they have a suspect, they bring him into the court. And uh, the prosecutor will present to the jury the facts of the case against the accused. They've called uh, the opening testimony or opening uh, words of the prosecutor. And so they tell them just exactly what, what they believe happened, what they're trying to prove happened. But the verses in Luke 23 that we are about to read are a portion of the facts of the murder of Jesus Christ. The prosecutor presenting the evidence is the Holy Spirit. And when we read these verses, I want us to realize that uh, this was a murder that did take place. And there are those that are guilty of the murder. And as the facts are presented, we can know that they are the facts because they are the Word of God. So we're not... Uh, relying on a man that, uh, you know, investigated and put his twist to it. But this is the facts of the murder of Jesus Christ. And we're not going to read all of them, but we're going to read this portion in Luke chapter 23. And the, again, the remainder of, uh, start with 33, and the remainder of chapter 23, and then chapter 24 and verses 1 through 6. It begins reading in verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary. There they crucified him. Now let's clarify some things. Because now I used to accept that when I would read these words. That everybody that heard me knew exactly what that meant. That might not be the case today. Maybe here but. Somebody could pick it up on, online and not know what that means. What that means is that uh, they put a cross in the ground of two pieces of wood and they nailed Christ to it. That's what it meant to crucify someone. Is that they crucified him and the male factors or two thieves, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can you imagine that? You don't see that much when somebody's going through. Now, he's already on the cross, hanging there. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. 
Now, in the next few verses, there seems to be some question as to who Jesus is if we listen to the people that are talking. It says, verse 35, And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided, or that means ridiculed him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the, son, the king of the Jews, save thyself. And the superscription was also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. In verse 39, one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. What they're saying is, when they say Christ, is if you are the Savior, save yourself. And the thief here is saying, save us also. But the other malefactor, the other thief, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost, thou, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Let me just stop right there and say we have to come to the point of where this thief come to and realize that we are guilty of our sins. And he said unto Jesus, Lord. He didn't say, if you be Lord. He said, Lord. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Yes, and having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Yes. Now the centurion saw what was done. When the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that site, all the people that gathered together at Calvary to watch Jesus be crucified, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. Now, this was the same crowd that said, crucify him, crucify him. They were worked into a frenzy by the religious leaders and they said crucify him crucified but now after having seen the crucifixion hearing Christ's words of forgiveness and experiencing the darkness they smote their chest in anguish and returned home to try to forget what had happened that is the most dangerous thing you can ever do is hear 
the gospel of Jesus Christ and try to forget what happened. Verse 49, And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, and he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn out in stone, wherein never man before was laid. And then when you begin chapter 24, you are progressing three days forward. And verse 1 of 24 says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, they bowed down their faces to the earth. They said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony of the Holy Spirit that tells us, Lord, that Jesus Christ, the creator of the world, died on the cross for our sins, shed his blood as payment for our sins. Thank you for that, our Father. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we can read, that we have the ability to understand the word of God, that we have the word of God easily accessible to us. And Lord, I thank you that we've been able to read that word today, that we've been able, to, Lord, to read the fact of what Christ did for us. And can understand that. And Lord I pray for all those that are here. Lord if there be one or two or five or ten or a dozen or more. That have never received Christ as Savior. Lord that's what you want to do. You want to save them today. Lord let them not go home and try to forget the testimony of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. So as we go into chapter 24 of course, what the angels are trying to tell them, well, it says, I believe it uses the term, uh, two men stood by them in shining garments, and it's time to tell them that Jesus is not dead anymore. They, they don't understand that to begin with, but if we went on and read the rest of the uh, scriptures about Jesus Christ and in the four Gospels and in Acts, we'd understand uh, that Jesus Christ, yes, he did die. He did shed his blood. He was buried. He was in the grave three days, but he rose again. Right. And he is alive forevermore. Right. And we realize that this testimony... By the Holy Spirit, and we say it's by the Holy Spirit because it's in the Word of God, and the, the Word of God tells us that the Word of God is inspired by God, yes. that it was 
breathed upon men, the Holy Spirit inspired men to write exactly what God had them to write. And we know that this is a true account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know that for a fact, not even, you don't even have to use the Bible, but for a fact, even outside of biblical truth, historical truth, Jesus Christ was crucified on Calvary. And we know that he was crucified unjustly. And we know that he did it to pay for our sins. And we know that as our, our message is titled, One Day. One day Jesus went to Calvary. Yes, and he went to Calvary for me and he went to Calvary for you and he went to Calvary for every man, woman, boy, and girl that ever has lived to pay for their sins. You say, well, why would he do that? One of the simplest verses in the Bible and probably the most known verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. Amen. For God so loved you that Christ died on the cross. He sent his son to die on the cross and shed his blood to pay for your sins. But we know through the testimony of the word of God that first of all that he went to Calvary and also in verse 46 tells us that Jesus died. And he died by the shedding of blood. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood is no remission. Without the shedding of the blood of Christ, there is no forgiveness, no remission of your sins, of my sins, of anyone's sins. In Matthew 12 and 40 says, Jesus prophesied about himself. He says, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So we know that he died and that he was buried and that he rose. Revelation 1.18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. So we know that he did live. He was alive in heaven. He took the form of a... Uh, a virgin-born babe and grew a, a perfect human being and he died on the cross shedding his blood for our sins and he was buried he was, and he rose again on the third day. And he did that because he loves you. Because he wanted to pay for your sins. One day Jesus went to Calvary, and one day I came to Calvary. Not physically, I haven't ever been over there, but spiritually, I realized I was a lost sinner for the first time. I had been to church several times. I guess you could even say many times. We didn't go every Sunday, but we, I'd been hundreds of times in my life up to the time I was 13 and had no idea. None. 
what it was about. Didn't have a clue. But one day, one Saturday, on my grandpa's porch, he looked over at me. Jimmy, have you ever been saved? I knew enough about it to know that the correct answer was supposed to be yes. I didn't know what it meant, but I knew that was the right answer. So I said yes. Then I heard another voice. And Grandpa didn't hear it. You have lied to your grandpa. Right. There was three of us there. He was talking to grandpa and he was talking to me at the same time. We were both hearing something different. I respected my grandpa. So I said, I didn't come up to him and say, I didn't say I lied. I just said, Grandpa, just just what do you mean by being saved? And he told me how to be saved. Now, I'd been in church enough to know that, or at least I thought I knew, that to get saved, you waited to church time, you come down to the altar, and you got saved. So I waited. I guess I slept that night. I don't really remember. But I know I went to church. Went, Grandpa went to his Sunday school class. He told me, they showed me what Sunday school class was going. I'd never been there and knew nobody in that church except my grandpa. If my grandpa had told me to go into church, I'd have went into church. <laughs> so I go in there and... Uh, if anybody knew me that time, you they would know that I was a very shy person. I still am, basically, it's only by the help of God that I can do anything for him at all. But I thought all the other children in there knew I was lost, and I was absolutely certain every time that teacher looked at me, she knew I was lost. In retrospect, she probably thought this is worth money's grandson. He's probably saved. I don't know what her Sunday school lesson was about. We went to the preaching. I don't know what the preaching was about. I had somebody else talking to me. You need to get saved. You need to get saved. You need to get saved. So the sermon was finished. And they're singing just as I am. I'll throw this part in there. It's part of it, so I'll tell it. There's two people on the aisle. I'm on the second pew. You cannot go out that way. There's the aisle. pew goes all the way to the wall. You didn't go around the pews. You had to come to the aisle. I'm the second person in the second row. There was an elderly gentleman standing beside me. I have no idea who he was. Don't know quite how he accomplished it, but he managed to sleep during just as I am. (laughs) 
So then there was two people talking to me. And you can figure out which one was saying which. One of them said, you need to be saved. And the other one said, you better not bother that old man. You need to be saved. Don't be rude to him. You need to be saved. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> sir. Oh. Step that now. I just begin the ball. Right. Receive Christ. Right. I didn't yes. You don't have to go to the altar. I did it right then. I went up there and the preacher asked me all the questions, of course. Do I want to be saved? Do I know this? Do I know that? Yeah. I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I don't know how to start this new computer back up except to do this. So, hello. Should have figured this out. That's all right. Got you covered. You don't want to send this school lesson, do you? I got it printed real big. I don't miss it. But I stepped out into that aisle. Accepted Christ as Savior. As I said, I realized I was a lost sinner for the first time. Yes. And I accepted Christ as Savior. I died and was raised up in newness of life, is what the Bible calls it. In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized unto his death. Amen. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And I know that people were lost before they get saved, and maybe they don't get saved, but when they're lost and they say, I see how people live that are saved, and I'm talking about people that live it. Right. I can't do that. And they are absolutely right. They cannot in their present state right. do that. But when they receive Christ as their Savior, as he was buried, we are buried with him in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and resurrected in a new life. And then through that new life, we are able to live like Christ. Amen. <laughs> Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. For he that is dead is freed. Dead is freed from sin. Now we be dead with Christ. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. 
For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You can't do that without God. It takes the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. So one day Christ came to Calvary. One day I came to Calvary. And one day if you're here saved today, you came to Calvary. Just like I did, you came face to face with being a lost sinner. <clears throat> now for me, it was the first time. For you, it might have been the second, the third, the tenth, the ninetieth, whatever. But if you're saved today, you realize that you were a lost sinner on your way to hell. Right. Amen. And just as I did, you died and were raised with victory over sin spiritually the old man on the inside, the inward man, died, and Christ raised you again in new life. Now, I got saved at church. You might have got saved at home. You might have got saved at work. I've heard of people driving down the road, pulling over on the side of the road, and getting, getting out, and bowing down, and getting saved right there. You wouldn't even have to bow down. You could get saved driving down the road. It might not be too good for other people, but... You, you can get saved anywhere, anytime. You are all saved from the same hell. We're going to talk a little more about hell in just a little bit, but some people say, well, you shouldn't try to scare people into getting saved. We're trying to tell them the truth. There is, there is a hell. And however bad you've heard it is, it's worse. I cannot stand up here and explain to you how bad it would be to be in hell. Every bad thing you've ever heard about it is true. It's hotter than they told you. The conditions are worse. You'll be more miserable than anybody's ever told you. And it's going to last longer than, any, than you could ever imagine. You say, well, I can imagine eternity. I don't think you can if you're lost. Right. If you're still lost. Good. If you're lost today, can be your one day. In the opening verses, we read the Holy Spirit's presentation of the evidence against each one of us here today. You have heard my plea. And the plea of each one that confesses Christ as their Savior. So in the murder trial, they begin the out by telling the facts that they're trying to prove. And then it's proven. And conviction comes. And then there's a sentencing phase of the trial. This is the sentencing phase. Revelation 20, 10 through 15. 
And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. You say, that's where the devil ought to be. But do you want to go with him? Verse 11 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. So God is keeping an account on everybody. And I do notice that the Bible says that the books, plural, were open and the book, singular, was open. It seems to say that there are more people in the books than there are in the book. And the book was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. Not the book of life, but in the books. According to their works, their individual works, their individual deeds, their individual sins. Because they're not in the book of life. So now it's to come the sentencing part of the trial because they are in the books. They never got their name switched over. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, an eternal death, a forever death, a never-ending death. You're not burned up like a cinder and just poof, you're gone. It is forever. You are a living being. And you will always be a living being. When eternity begins, you will either be living in heaven or living in hell, never able to accomplish death. And whosoever... Remember that other verse we read with whosoever... For God so loved the world that whosoever believed in him, for God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish. Here's another whosoever. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life. So those two whosoever's covers everybody. Those that believe in Christ have their name in the book of life and those that don't are in the books. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 
Now, there's nobody left out in these verses. There's, there's not a small group of individuals ostracized from everybody else. And they're in, there is no purgatory. There's no waiting area. There's no chance after death, after physical death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Today you have been presented with Calvary and now the white throne judgment. We read where the rulers ridiculed him, the soldiers mocked him, the one prisoner railed on him, the other prisoner was forgiven by him. And then we read where the crowd, although in anguish, simply returned home and tried to put it out of their mind. But the question today is, what will you do with him? He died for you. He loved you so much that he died for you. He paid for your sins, Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. One day Jesus went to Calvary. One day I came to Calvary. If you're here saved today, one day you came to Calvary. Today can be your day, but one day it will be too late. The Bible tells us that one day Jesus will return in the clouds and call his children out. In other words, all that are here now, written in the book of life, will be taken out, raptured out. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. What cause, you say? Well, verse 12. And they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That crowd that was out Calvary, and everybody was saying, if you're Christ, if you're Christ, if you're Christ, now, everybody didn't say that. But there was a crowd of his believers over here and then the crowd, the throng around the cross and it said they smoked their breasts right. and returned. They did not believe. They didn't say it was wrong, but they didn't believe either. that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You have heard the truth presented from God's word. Proverbs 27.1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. If you're here, and even if you're just an adolescent on up, you know that any day anybody could die. Might be sick people, might be well people. 
Again, people say, well, don't, you shouldn't be scared them into salvation. We need to realize that we don't know our last opportunity to be saved. Today, you have an opportunity. I, and, and I can tell you, if today, if you're lost, you say, well, I don't know if I could get saved today. If you have a desire to be saved, you can be saved. That desire is a gift of God telling you you need to be saved. If you never get saved, when you're at the white throne judgment, evidence will show that on Sunday morning, November 26, 2023, you came to Calvary. The question asked will be, why didn't you get saved? Your excuses won't hold up. You will receive the death penalty. So we stand to our feet, and as Susan comes and plays for us today. Give you just a moment. Get stood up. Like to have every head bowed and every eye closed. Christians especially heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you've never confessed Christ as Savior. It's always been that little bit of thought in your mind if He is Christ, if He is the Savior. If he is God. But today you've heard the evidence from the word of God. And you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins. But you know that you've never received Christ as Savior. I'd like to pray for you. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you be willing to lift your hand up. To signify that you've never been saved. And saying, preacher, pray for me. Anyone at all, would you be willing to lift a hand and say, pray for me, preacher. I've never been saved. I've never come to Calvary and asked Christ to forgive me. Anyone at all. I'm going to give you just a minute. We don't see any hands. I've been preaching long enough to know that God doesn't give a message to a preacher like this. With this many people here, and somebody not be lost. So I want to give you another opportunity. Would you be willing to raise your hand and say, pray for me. I've never been saved. I don't see any hands. Let me urge you to do this. Don't leave. Don't smoke your breast and return home. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for each one that's here, Lord. Lord, we pray for that one here that may be lost, Lord. And I believe there is. I don't know, have any idea who it is. But I believe there's somebody here lost. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would deal with their heart. And Lord, I do pray that they're upset and they stay upset. 
until they relinquish their life over to Christ. Yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.